Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on this Wednesday. A very special edition. Pretty loose here. Got a, had a good conversation right before the show started. We're uh, opening up our minds, using our imagination to think of a lot of different scenarios. Kelly Bidlin is alongside in his usual role. And our special guest today is going to be with us throughout the whole pod. Play-by-play voice for the G League Ignite, a man of many hats. Does a lot of different stuff for the network as well. And had, dare I say... The best call, and this is not an exaggeration, of March Madness this past year, Ben Wilson, everybody. Can we play applause underneath it? Yay! What's hey, up, buddy? Uh, I don't know if, you, if I would have described what you just said as, uh, you know, brain-expanding conversation before the show, but it got it, it got, gets me in the mood to talk some basketball. Ooh, right, I don't know about good. that. The mood that we were discussing right before we came on the air was a different one, so if you're in that mood, we might want to, uh, might want to give you a cold shower. Um, but regardless, we have... Uh, <laughs> we have been on uh, because Ben, as we mentioned, is a man of many hats and did call a bunch of G League Ignite games. And I think every single one, right, Ben? You were on the call for everyone. You're the main play-by-play voice. Yeah, all uh, all home games. I did not okay. travel to uh, Edinburgh, Texas or uh, or College Park, Maryland for some of the, uh, the road games. We had a contract. We did all the home games. This was the first year all the G League Ignite uh, games were in the Las Vegas Valley. So, uh, and Kelly, I know you were there. We got to watch Victor Wembanyama in person to start the season twice, yeah. which was pretty amazing. And uh, I still am cracking up at that because Kelly was just like searching for any negative in Wembanyama's game. He's like, ah, I don't know if this guy's getting back on defense as, as well as I'd like to see it. I'm like, Kelly, what more do you have to see? The dude is a freak. Um, so I, I continue to laugh about that. But yeah, really fun season. And, uh, and obviously got to watch a lot of Scoot Henderson as well as Leonard Miller and C.D. Sissoko, who all three of them are, are going to be projected uh, draft picks here. Likely uh, Scoot and Miller in the first round and Sissoko projected a second round. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, let's start there then. And we'll get to NBA stuff in terms of the actual games that we played later today. But the draft lottery was yesterday. And Scoot Henderson, as you said, projects to be a top three pick. Although Kelly and I do have an angle on that. That maybe, just maybe. There's a four there, uh, but let's talk about Scoot Henderson himself. So Jonathan Gavoni about a month ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, was on the Adrian Wojnarowski podcast and discussed that the clarity in Brandon Miller's legal issues coupled with maybe a so-so season from one Scoot Henderson had him slipping a bit. And when we say slipping, probably from like two to three. So Ben, you got to watch him up close. Uh, when you hear that maybe because of a weak season, Scoot Henderson is slipping, what did you see when you were calling those games? Do you think it's warranted to say that the season for the G League Ignite, from what you saw up close, uh, is deemed as maybe a, a so-so or weak season for one Scoot Henderson? Yeah, I, you would say that if you didn't really understand the full context of, of what the goal of this last season was. And I think what people have to understand is that the G League Ignite, it's owned by the NBA. They are in direct competition with the the one-and-done model of college basketball. So. They bring in a guy like Scoot Henderson on a two-year contract, comes in the equivalent of his senior year of high school, and then last year would have been his, his freshman year of college. So naturally, they were extremely, extremely protective of him. He is their first prized guy they've had in that program. I mean, they had Jalen Green, who 
when you talk to people around the program, they're like, yeah, Jalen Green was a nice player, but Henderson is on just a completely different planet. And I mean, Green went second overall just, wow. just a couple wow. of years ago. So wow. that's the type of that that is how revered of a, of a type of player Scoot Henderson is within that program, which is all to lead into what happened in it with his health early in the year. He, he had a he had a knee injury actually in the uh, one of those exhibitions against Wembenyama and the, and the French team and then had a concussion. I mean, a minute uh, about a month into the season, a couple minutes into one of their games. So. They were really, really careful with him. I was at a bunch of the practices, and like the guy is such a – he's such the typical cliche of, like, whatever you want to say, gym rat, hard worker. Like, they would literally have to take the ball away from him to not let him practice when he was in concussion protocol. And I think there's been this negative perception that, oh, well, Scoot, you know, he, he's like all these other stars now in the, in the NBA. He's just going to rest a ton and load management. He doesn't really want to be out there. He was just coasting. I, that couldn't have been further from the truth, but – I could tell with the way he plays and he, he still has to, I think, grow just from the sense of like, he plays with such a reckless abandon that sometimes he, he, he I don't think he understands. Like you can't just play every game. Like it's your last as, as good of a concept as that is to think of. And so I think the league really wanted to protect him as a commodity and they held him out a ton, a lot longer than most people thought. There were rumors that came out in December that they were going to shut him down for the season, which were always false. I think a lot of scouts were just butthurt that he did not show up at the, the G League Winter Showcase that a lot of scouts were promised he would be back for. So I think there's been this resentment throughout the season from a lot of the scouting circles of, all right, they're just coddling him and they're being super careful. But yeah, I think you have to understand that's warranted to a degree. And so that's going to, when you hear a lot of the conversation here leading up to the draft guys, I think you have to just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, it doesn't really reflect who he is as a, as a player, but that's just the reality of this draft, prep, draft preparation when you're kind of owned, so to speak, by the NBA, and, and they want to make you as, as high of a pick as possible. So, Ben, when we when we were watching that Victor Wembanyama game, and, I mean, that is the only time that, that, that I saw uh, a G League Ignite, uh, you know, t- uh, game this year. So, uh, you know, sorry. I'll, I'll get to more next year, I promise, Ben. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we watched that game, and it was obviously, obviously I was there to see Victor Wembanyama. That game, and I can't remember if it was the first or second one that they did because they you know they did two of the two of those games uh, over a couple days back then. But the Scoot's play jumped out to me more, almost more than Victor Weminyama's did. Like I had seen highlight reel after highlight reel of Victor Weminyama. I hadn't really seen much from Scoot Henderson, and I was really impressed. So it was one of those when when I left there, and then kind of. Looking at just what he did statistically through the season, I don't know if it fairly represents what I saw with my own eyes. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about right now. And just to run through some of those stats uh, for people that don't have it pulled up full season, this is a little bit difficult to find. We did have to, uh, uh, you know, nail this down. I had to clear this with Ben because there's a couple different way they do the G League season. It's cut up into a couple different parts. So, um, Full season stats on him. Average 30 minutes a game, uh, 17.6 points per game, uh, shooting uh, about 44% from the field, 32% from three. He's shooting free throws about 2.8 attempts per game um, is what you're talking about there. And then he's got about a two-to-one assist turnover ratio, 6.36 assists per game, 3.3 turnovers a game, and tack on a steal. So that's statistically, that's what he did. I think for me personally, when we're, t- we're evaluating, uh, you know, NBA talent, I think any guard that's shooting 32% is a concern, but what type of player really is this guy? And is that maybe a part of a part of his game that is the last part to come along? Right. No, I, you're totally right. And I would say right now, if you're characterizing him, he's much more of a mid range pick and pop type type guy. And, and you would, and that's why you're going to also see a lot of people look at it and go, okay, so you're telling me a 6'2 point guard just going to come in the league and be a, be a mid-range specialist? Like, that doesn't really work. But that's the thing. It, when you watch him, his ability and just his athleticism, like he reminds me athletically of a, a mid-career Eric Bledsoe, which just from a pure body comp is very, very good. Now, Eric Bledsoe could, could barely do anything with the actual basketball in his hand, which was a big, big downfall of his. But Henderson is a much more developed prospect in general. Just when he's on the court, so I look at him as a guy who can take anybody off the dribble. I mean, he went right at Wembenyama and had a couple yeah. of just sick crossovers on it. I think was what you got you and a lot of other people uh, ooing and eyeing in those exhibitions. So he plays fearless. It's that reckless abandon. At times, that gets him in trouble because he took a lot of hard hits, a lot of hard falls, and I think that's the big question mark. Will be 
just his durability with how hard he plays. But body is there. He's polished in that sense. It's it's more of how will his how will the deeper game uh, grow? And I think they you know they, because of the fact that it was you know the G League season and his draft position was already pretty well known. Kelly, they really wanted him to to take more threes and just to try to grow that part of the game. And you know there were hits and misses with that. I think a lot of it was he was just in and out of the lineup a lot, and they were super protective of him from the injury front. So I never got a sense he really got into a rhythm from that standpoint. But again, you're talking a pretty small sample size. He only ended up playing 25 games and. And they, they they shut him down the last five games of the season because he, he literally tried to jump over a 6'8 defender, which he has done. I saw him do it, but he tried to do it again, fell right on his hand. They all thought he broke his hand right away. And I'm, I'm pretty sure – I don't know. Like, I don't have 100% confirmation on this, but I'm like pretty sure that the NBA called right after that game and said, uh, yeah, guys, shut him down for the season. We've seen enough. So that's the type of player you're getting with Henderson. And I just don't think the sample size was enough for him to, to really grow the way he wanted to as a three-point shooter last year. So shooting aside, I, I think you as an NBA guard can get away with not shooting, but obviously you have to have different facets to your game. I would actually say the shooting doesn't bother me as much as the low shooting numbers, Ben, compiled with just over two free throw attempts per game. What, what's his game in terms of like the north-south ability, getting to the rim, drawing free throws? You mentioned more of like a pick and, pick and pop and mid-range guy. Does he have that off the dribble, get to the rim, draw fouls and finish type of deal? In terms of his respects for his game there, what have you seen? Yeah, no, no question. I mean, and a great transition player as well. It's a guy who's lightning, not lightning quick in the open court. I, I don't look at those free throw attempts per game numbers and, and take them, you know, fully 100% simply because the style of play in the G League. You know, you'll hear a lot about how the, the G League can it sometimes be a uh, lackluster defensive league. I, I, I truly believe from doing the games all season, I mean, the, the talent in that league is legit, and it's it's not fair to really say that was you know subpar competition. It's more on the defensive end. You see a lot of guys shy away from contact at the rim, so he had a bunch of those <laughs> plays where he'd, he'd be rearing up, looking to jump over somebody, and the big would just sort of make the business decision and get out of the way. So I, I it was one of those things where had it been in the flow of an NBA game, I think you're you're more in that, at least in a, in a four to, to higher free throw attempts per game type position, he was still doing all the right things. It's just not everybody is willing in that league to take contact. They get what, you know, they get what that league is. It's about putting up numbers, getting your chance to, to get into the league. A lot of those guys are on, you know, they're sort of on the revolving door, 10 day contracts and all that. So he has that in his game. It just isn't really reflected in the numbers just because of the way that league generally plays out night to night. Well, I was just going to ask. So one of the one of the terms that we've heard to describe him too, uh, ball dominant, right? Needs the ball in his hands. What do you make of that description of him? And can he play off ball? Because I think, and we're going to get into this too. I think that does tie into the way this draft lottery fell, where you do have quite a few teams at the top. We know where number one's going to go, but the two teams following that don't necessarily need a ball dominant guard. What is his game off ball? Does he have it, or is he that ball dominant type of player? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really believe it's a true ball dominant player. They would they played a lot of lineups this year where they had him as a two. And again, you're not, probably when you look at his highlight films, you're going to see all of his stuff when he's running point. Uh, but they played him a lot at two. They they would use like a guy like Leonard Miller, who you know, we can talk about later, who was more of a you know point forward at times. They have they had London Johnson, who was a projected lottery pick in the 2024 draft, who would play point. So they got him a lot of reps. He was a, I mean a really because of just his quick twitch speed. He's a really impactful cutter, and he was he was really good off the ball. It's just naturally in the era we're in, that's just not going to be on your highlights. You're not going to see a cool back cut by by Scoot Henderson. It's more his ability as a point guard to, to facilitate and, and create open space uh, in the mid-range. So that's a, it's an element to his game that, that I've seen. I, I don't know. And it, it's funny that because, yeah, we have Charlotte picking second. And I kind of, you know, I honestly going into this process thought that Houston would have been his best fit, which I realize sounds a little bit, a little bit odd, but it's just think about the tenacity he plays with. And it's like, that's a franchise that, that needs desperately a change in their overall culture. They need a guy who actually cares, who's going to play his ass off 40 minutes a night if you're letting him and if he's healthy and given his ability to play off ball, which I think he can do. Uh, that was actually the team I thought would be a really good fit, which means it's so interesting. Now we have this wrinkle where the odds had would have been Houston too. And now they're sitting at four, as we know. Kelly. You want to let you want to let Ben in on our uh, our pact here. <laughs> I was I was going to say, well, let's get to that. Let's we'll, we'll let's talk the betting odds, though. The reason, part of the re at least part of the reason why we're having Ben on, we love Ben. We'd have him on anytime. But part of the reason why we're having him on is to talk about the betting odds that are associated with all this stuff. Um, 
a number one odds to go number one. Okay, Scoot Henderson's forty to one. I bet you more people have bet that than Victor Wembanyama to go number one, which you just should not do. Uh, let's we're gonna move right on down. To Hold the on, really quick, really quick. Yeah, are you sure? Did yeah, you I'm watch, sure. Did yeah, you, I'm sure. Did you watch? Did you watch the interview? By the way, apparently, for so Brian Windhorst. How have you guys watched the interview that oh Brian Windhorst did? Yeah, he, they yeah. flew him out to France to do a seventy-second <laughs> interview, and that was it. Like he didn't do any other content. So that first okay. off, that's insane. Do you think he's being punished or requested that? That's what I was trying to figure out last night. Like, is that a vacation? That is the the cushiest gig. You get the nice little Delta One, the lie flat bed to Paris. You get probably four days put up in in, in one of the nice, uh, you know, one of the nice spots, probably, you know, walking distance to the Louvre and all the sites. Yeah, come on. That That was the most curious thing to me. I was like, I was like, did he like, why is he there when the conference finals are about to start? Like, is he being punished or was he like, I got to get out of town for a minute? <laughs> uh, right. By the way, odds on Brian Windhorst going to the Louvre is something that I would love to see. Um, I, I, I bring this up. I bring this up, Kelly, because did you hear the question that he asked Victor Wembanyama? Well, no, because the mics were, were were so bad. No, I, I, I don't know if I remember it. I get what you're saying, too, though. Yeah, I get what you're saying. The yeah. question he asked was, what are the Spurs getting in Victor Wembanyama? He didn't ask... What would the Spurs get if they draft you? Oh, he yeah. specifically asked him, what are the Spurs getting in Victor Wembanyama? This is 100%. So you tell me, why would I not, even if it's like whatever minimal amount to win whatever minimal amount, why would I not bet that? That is 100%. There are still odds there that yes. say it's under 100%. Why wouldn't I bet that? You could no. I, I said don't bet Scoot. I, I said don't oh, bet Scoot okay, Henderson. Okay. I, I misinterpreted you. I thought you said yeah. don't bet Wimbanyama, which I get. It's minus twenty thousand, but I'm like, yeah, it, no. it's, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. It's no. It, you you are right. It's like the safest bet in the history of betting. It's yep. just there are odds still posted. No, I said what I said was I guarantee you there's been more people that have bet Scoot Henderson to go okay. number one because he is forty to one. But you shouldn't make that bet. Where okay. you might want to look at Scoot is second overall pick. He is minus 140 currently at DraftKings. Uh, Brandon Miller, even money in that market. If third overall pick, Brandon Miller plus 120. Scoot is plus 140 to be third overall. And then fourth overall, we have Amen Thompson, minus 125. Walker plus 450. The other Thompson plus 450. Brandon Miller plus 450. Cam Whitmore 10 to 1. And Scoot Henderson 28 to 1 over at DraftKings. So, Ben, what 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 if you you talked about the NBA and I don't I actually I don't want to put words in your mouth NBA being associated with the ignite that you felt there was a little bit of protection of Scoot Henderson go, going on this this season. Do you think that they they are so confident in him going number two overall and that nothing has changed throughout the this entire season, or did his play affect that and Brandon Miller's play affect uh, possibly affect this? I well I I think in, you know you could always. You can always make the argument. Maybe this is uh, there's some cockiness there and overconfidence, but I I really believe the NBA. They know what they have in Henderson. They feel very very confident that he is a, a top two guy. And a, a lot of a lot of the and we've we've seen this in all whether it's NFL or NBA draft. You you see some of the negative tea leaves you know start floating out around this time a month before the draft. And I, I think think especially these teams, especially like a Charlotte, I think will love and I, you know for for the other teams right around there. I mean, Houston, I'm sure Houston at four would love to keep these stories, these filtering out like, oh, yeah, Henderson, they shut him down. He only played half the season. Oh, he's only 6'2". Can you really be a franchise-changing guard? I think these teams that are behind that number two spot would love to hear that come out. And and, and the NBA, from their perspective and from the from where the G League Ignite side of it are at, I think they all believe that's just it's just a bunch of BS. It's just they they have watched him. They have, and they've said from day one, were this not the 2023 draft class, he would be far and away number one, and it really wouldn't be close at all. It wouldn't be the same conversation we're having as far as Wembenyama from the franchise-altering perspective, but he would be odds-on to go number one, and you'd be having to lay a, a very large amount of juice in order to do that. So I, I believe there's a lot of confidence there. I you know, I don't have enough conviction to say, like, this is all, you know, Charlotte will be, will look at this and, and also agree with that statement and say, you know what, we have a point guard in Lamelo Ball who's more of a, a threes and drive to the basket guy. We think he could complement well with Henderson and we're going to go ahead and draft the best player. Like, I, I still believe like that is, okay that could easily happen. I wouldn't have enough conviction to bet that, but 
I definitely believe that most of this stuff falls under, under the BS smokescreen type category that you're going to hear about Scoot as, as far as his stock falling and all that. So, so quick follow-up. Uh, so compare it to last season, what we, what we saw in the NBA draft last year, right? And we were, there were some of us that were surprised by Ben Carroll going number one, but there were three guys that we were talking about big time about going number one. Remove Victor Wembanyama from this class. Is he even? Is there even a discussion in your mind? There's not even a discussion about who's going number one. It's Scoot Henderson. Pretty definitively, yes. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> here's my question for both of you. I'll, I'll start with Ben. How do teams? How do you think teams will balance what they need versus drafting for upside? So, for example, Charlotte. Ben, I think you could be right. Could Scoot Henderson fit nicely next to? Uh, LaMelo Ball. Yeah, there's probably a chance that, that could. And I'm always a fan of, look, like in the NBA, you can make things work. Things are pretty positionless. That's fine. But you do have a high round pick on a guard, probably like more depth at the wing. That's why I think like a Brandon Miller becomes a little bit more attractive for a team that didn't really play defense and struggled to shoot. I think Miller fits a little bit better there. We go to the third pick where Damian Lillard is under contract for two more years. You have assets invested in your backcourt. You have Shaden Sharp. You had Anthony Simons. Like, is there a shot that Scoot Henderson slips, not because of Scoot Henderson's level of play, but because he as a player doesn't fit with what those two teams need at two and at three. Yeah, no, I think the three conversation is is the more, the more fascinating piece of this because yeah, two, I would say at two, it's probably a coin flip. You can make really valid arguments on both sides as far as the Henderson-Miller debate, at least how the fit goes with Charlotte. And it's anybody's guess. But, you know, at three, you're sitting there if you're Portland and it kind of began in a weird way by them moving up in this lottery, it becomes the the focal point of what, what they want the next couple of years of their franchise to look like. Like that is the decision you have to make. I think it's a little bit more cut and dry on the, on their end as opposed to just, well, he's the best player on the board. We take him and you know figure it out next because you've got this franchise guy in Damian Lillard who continues to put up huge numbers with, with no support. Yusuf Nurkic isn't getting any younger. He isn't getting any healthier either. So that's the one that's interesting to me. Like I, I definitely look at that and say, it, like at three, would you, and because it is so viewed as a three player draft, right? As, as far as the separation between the, you know, you have Weminyam in his own class and then Miller and Henderson are in that, like in that 1A category. And then there's a drop off to category two. Like, would they be willing to, to sh- are they in a position to even shop that pick? Would they say, look, if, if we, if somebody wants to pay a King's ransom because they know Henderson's the best guy of the three and they want to move up, would that even be a possibility? It's given how like where their franchise is at, I, I see that being much less likely of a possibility than most than people might think. Uh, but that that's one where if, yeah, if, if that option was there at three, and like, I know Houston, I'm sure Houston would love for them to say, you know what, we have all we have all these backcourt things already solidified. Let's just let's look somewhere else. And so I I, I totally think it's realistic. Like if it's not Henderson at two. Then it if you, and if you have conviction on that, then it is probably worthwhile to at least think about that. Whatever you said, Kelly, that twenty-eight to one long shot as far as the fourth pick, because it's you know, it's it's hard for me to look at Portland and say, are they just gonna, are they not even gonna think twice about drafting him, considering everything else going on in their franchise and who they have in the backcourt, like you said, David. So first off, Kelly and I both have actually thirty-six to one tickets on Anderson to go fourth, so we actually I, did bet that. Um, and, and actually you brought up a really good point. And this is something I put in my, uh, by the way, up on the website, vcin.com. There's a lot of good stuff. Zach Cohen put up an article about the second overall pick and what it means. I have a mock draft of the lottery that's up on the website right now. And I have Henderson going forth. Part of it is everything that we've talked about. And the other thing, Ben, to your point, I think a lot of people look at, they well, I have Kevin Porter Jr. They have Jalen Green. Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract is non-guaranteed. By all accounts, he's a knucklehead and they set it up so they can cut him whenever they want. Next year is guaranteed for $15 million and that's it. So that's really easy to move off of. And if you're the Houston Rockets, you have a really good shooting guard in Jalen Green. Why not pair him up with a guy that could fit really nicely next to him in Scoot Henderson and move off of a contract of a guy who you can't really trust to be out there on the floor? So I think that's there. And it, it just it opens up the door of some really interesting potential. I wanted to throw one more scenario at you to give Cohen credit. You talked about Ben paying a King's ransom. The Orlando Magic have two first-round picks and a desperate need at point guard. What if he does go three, but it's Orlando who grabs him? No, I, I mean, I could see it. I, like I said, I think if you get, if you go Wembenyama one, Miller two, I mean, you know that at the very least, Portland's going to have to listen to the, the calls there. Like if you just wouldn't be doing your due diligence and you know there are teams that would, that would be willing to do that. So on, like that's honestly my bigger hesitancy about the Henderson at four bet is more just 
Like there's going to be interest from somebody to sweep in at three. It's just a matter of when Portland weighs all their options, what do they end up deciding? And, and where, like, do they, do they view that that third pick is still valuable enough where they want to take somebody else or do they just trade down? And, and there is a team that swoops in, but I, that's totally, a totally realistic possibility to me. It's it, it is tough. I I mean we yeah, we both made that bet JV team, but I'm a I'm like already penciling it, it as a loss a little bit. It, well, it Kelly, just, it's, it's it's the same thing as the Thunder thing, right? Like yes. I think there there is a realistic scenario where that happens, and I think that's worth at least taking a piece of it because we could be sitting here. Crazier yep. things have happened, like Paolo Bancaro moving mm-hmm. from what was it last year, ten to one to whatever it was to be the first overall yep. selection. Crazier things have happened. Yep, totally. Um, and that, yeah, that's why we bet it. But yeah, I, yes, I think there are there are so many teams like where this where this, where this draft order ended up happening. Like it really does make this top of the draft conversation interesting because of the because of the backcourt depth of these couple teams. But then you don't have to you know like the Magic, right? Like you don't have to look very far behind to find teams that would desperately want a guy like this. So that's where I, I, I do think it's going to be interesting, but yeah, man, if you're, if all the teams stayed put, it is really hard to imagine. I, I, in my opinion, the Hornets or the Blazers re- re- really wanting to go after him, unless the Hornets for whatever reason thought, or, or, you know, I don't want to say for whatever reason, because Ben has, Ben has said this, that they think there is a major gap between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller and that they are just taking the most talented player on the board. And there's a big gap between those two guys. Yeah. Oh, like that's what gun to my head. If I I believe Charlotte would take Henderson too today, but it's you know it's a coin. Uh, thank you, but it, but it's a it's a coin flip. It's not a right now odds what have him as a decent minus money favorite. I, so I, I wouldn't bet it. Feels like a coin flip, uh, but it the the scenarios we've laid out they're all they're all plausible. All right, Ben Wilson's going to stick around. Uh, we'll take our break. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the G League players that he's got his eye on as potential first-round picks. We'll also get his thoughts on what we're going to see in the Eastern Conference Finals later today. But before we do, a reminder for all of you to check out Juice Reel, an exciting new innovation in sports betting, which is not just another sports book. And if you haven't heard of it yet, it's a great tool for you to use. It's going to revolutionize the way that you follow your bets and make betting decisions. It's a must-have app that lets you connect all your betting accounts from wherever you bet, and all your betting history automatically loads in. So it's not just a bet tracker either. You're going to get trends and habits from your betting behavior that you can use and build on, whether you want to improve or start to really go down a path of, hey, man, I'm killing it with totals. Let's see what I'm doing here and let's see what I'm doing right. Juicer analyzes data from its entire user base as well to help you bet even smarter. Check it out now. It's for free. iPhone or Android. Juice Reel. That's Juice, R-E-E-L. Every sport that's better in all 50 states should be using Juice Reel, and all sports bettors should be listening to Harvard Handicappers. Ben Wilson's going to stick around get his thoughts on some other first-round talents that we might see that he got to watch as part of the NBA G League, and we'll see what he thinks about the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. i got to tell you, this very pro-Celtics podcast, he better be right in what he's thinking about this thing. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back here on Hardwood Handicappers, Ben Wilson is alongside VEASAN colleague, dare I say friend, and uh, man of many talents. All right, Ben, so I'll let you have the floor here because I know there's a couple of guys that you wanted to discuss as well that should be on the um, the minds of folks as we start to get more and more draft markets up as we inch closer to the NBA draft. 
Uh, so who do you think is at the top in terms of a dude you're looking for that might be a, a first-round pick or a draft position that you're looking to play under that you think might actually have a little bit more leeway there? Yeah, I would just file this away. We don't have any of the major the positional props out yet, but I imagine that Leonard Miller, who is another one of these G League Ignite guys, is going to be in the mid to low to mid 20s. That's where a lot of the mocks have had him throughout the last year. That's likely where his draft position will be. And it's funny, we have all this conversation on Henderson and you know, from the G League side, they've been so rock solid on him. They, they know what they're getting. He's been the commodity. Miller's been much more of an unknown, but his, his stock has exploded really the last two months. Uh, he he's somebody who was who came up as a point guard was a six three six four Canadian guy had a six seven inch growth spurt senior of high school all of a sudden becomes this this five star blue chip prospect ends up uh, going to prep school goes the ignite route and is he he fits I think the bill that a lot of these these teams especially back end of the lottery are going to be looking for a guy who's six ten who can play a point forward who has has really good pedigree his older brother played at uh, at A and M and now uh, and Texas Tech as well. And he, he has an ability to stretch the floor. He was a double-double machine basically the last month and a half of the G League season. You could see his growth right in front of your eyes. And I, I think and I think we're starting to see some of that momentum now pick up. Uh, Sam Beasley from The Athletic had him today in his new mock going 12 to uh, to OKC. So that that's probably his, uh, his ceiling. But like Utah at 16, Miami at 18, Houston at 20. And you know, Utah and Houston, as we know, have multiple first-round picks. It would be a really good fit for a player like that who has length, who basically the only thing he's still working on is his three-point shot. It's kind of an ugly shooting motion, but I can can pretty much do anything in, a, in a, as a six-ten body with with strength. Who can also play in a point guard type position. So that's a guy I'm going to be looking to target under. I, I have a feeling, given given our past experience seeing these international guys with uh, with great length and ball handling skills get uh, get fallen <laughs> in love with by various teams throughout the draft process, he will be. I've heard from a number of people. This is a, a legit back end lottery pick guy. Would not surprise me if he doesn't if he doesn't fall past like eighteen to Miami, and I, I would imagine most of those most of the draft props will have him in the low to mid twenties when we see those released. Yeah, Gavoni, for what it's worth, Jonathan Gavoni at ESPN, his post lottery mock draft had him going twenty one to the Brooklyn Nets, so it does seem that twelve to twenty one range. But interesting to see because you don't really have any idea. So when these draft props get up in terms of um, position, it's going to be fascinating to see where guys like that end it's up. The market really doesn't have any idea. Do you guys remember how many we saw of those last year? They came like, up late, but I remember about like fifteen to maybe twenty. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's I cu- I couldn't remember in what range it was. Okay. They, those things come up late because well, because it also they don't the NBA draft is nowhere near like the NFL draft where and I keep saying this too because you'll have one. It's not so much positional need anymore. It's how guys project and what they right. potentially could be. So you're actually you might draft like you know a wing because now you need him because he might be awesome. And also, I mean, they're like 19. Like, just draft them and stash them and see what's going to happen here in the next few years. Um, and it's also just, like, it's positionless basketball now. So you can draft yeah. a 6'10 guy and just be like, yeah, you're a wing or a power forward, whatever. We need something, and we're going to get you. So it's a little bit harder to kind of track once you get past, like, the top five prospects or so uh, in any given draft. So with that, uh, let's transition to later tonight. Ben, you are a guest of honor. So let's get your thoughts on what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference Finals before we recap what happened last night. What'd you make? What do you make of uh, the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat? Where are you at with this series as the Celtics are prohibitive favorite, minus 525 and an eight, eight and a half point favorite tonight in game one? Yeah, I, it's not like I have any desire really to bet, uh, bet Miami. I, I, I was intrigued, though, by the market, just the, the most points in the series market where we've watched Boston have the, you know, have the defensive lapses at times, and it's been the thing that has held them back and made these series longer than, than you would argue they should have been. From the Boston perspective, so you have a situation where Jimmy Butler is, and I realize betting on stars, it's usually not as much like plus EV once we get to the postseason, but he's over a two-to-one shot to have the most points in the series, and I could totally see a world in which, you know, Boston comfortably wins a series, say, in in five, maybe it gets extended to six, but who's to say, based on the defensive lapses out of Boston, we've watched all postseason, that Butler isn't isn't going to go off for a 40-burger at least once in, you know, in this series. I mean, it would it would make a lot of sense. Oh, it's uh, I, I'm kind of laughing over here because I, I, I happened to look at this prop yesterday, uh, and that numbers come down, Ben. I, I was like, oh, I was like, I pulled, I pulled it up. I was like, I think this is moved. And you just saw, you just said the number that I saw yesterday, what plus two twenty. He's at plus one seventy yeah. now. Wow. He's at plus one seventy. And real uh, quick, this is, 
This is total points scored for the total, series. Total Correct. points in yes. the series. Okay, because Stormy had a good one too, where she was telling me today the thing she was looking at was Butler to have the highest scoring game of the series. Like any one of them, yes, just the highest individual game. That is posted as well. All okay. of this over at. I think that was a sim- and that was a similar price too. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I, plus one eighty. Yeah. yeah, that's a totally totally fair uh, fair angle. I, I mean, I just think it, it gives you multiple outs, right? Because yeah. This, Celtics could win four and Butler could score half of his team's points. And it's just one of those things where you, you finally see the lack of depth for Miami exposed. Butler still continues to play you know, these, these Herculean type, give these Herculean type performances and uh, assuming full health, that's uh, I think a, a pretty logical way to look at it. But uh, I, I uh, as, as heartbroken as I am as a the Milwaukee resident uh, here on our, on our network and watching the Bucks just completely disintegrate. Like I still, Sit here and don't really believe it from the whole Miami team perspective, but it is what it is at this point. It's a safe space, buddy. It's a safe yeah, space. It's a, it's a safe space. space. Let, it, let out been, your uh, anger. You we've been slugged about- as an anti-Miami podcast, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's all right. By the way, for those, obviously, this is a podcast. Nobody can see that Ben Wilson has a framed. Right. Uh, I would assume that's Costas Antetokounmpo behind you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're yeah you're in a safe space. This this podcast, I can't speak I can't speak uh, totally for JVT, but at least on this side, I lost a lot of money on that series. <laughs> well, I like, and I I've told you, Kelly, you know you know me, I'm ready, I'm I'm ready to take that dive here for Boston. Like I now I'm becoming more and more bullish because you know I just don't really enjoy people, especially when they you know <laughs> if you want to be insulting, like if you want to disagree, that's fine, but if you want to try to be a smart ass and insulting about it, I can give it to you right back. I like. I think, and I hope that the Celtics come out and just crush the life out of Miami. And I think they yeah. really can. So I think this. Uh, I I think this game. This game is fat. I, like I can't wait for this game tonight. I, I I think that we are. Like I'm still bullish about our opinions on the series, JBT. Like I think it's Celtics. I think it's Celtics in probably five or six. I I, I think that they will fumble around at the end of this series uh, or at the end of a game or two. Screw this up and give one away to a better coach Miami Heat team, at least one, maybe two. I think that's going to happen, and I think it will probably be more more Boston losing the game than Miami winning the game if that happens. Um, but I think it will. I think Miami's best chances for wins in this series, if we're talking short-term, it's tonight and it's game three. Obviously game three when they go back home, but you're getting the Celtics at least off of a game seven with the Sixers. Who knows if there's any hangover effect from that? I know it's been a couple days, um, but like Spo, any extra time for Spo to prepare gives me some concerns. I think this game Miami's got to have, like they got to be entering this game with, with knowing they've got to try to take this one. So can I, can I ask you both? I'll start with yeah. you, Ben, because I want to push back on two things. First yep. off, I, so somebody dropped that on me too. It's Spo, extra time to prepare. Did he know the winner of game seven? Somebody hit me with like, he had five days to get ready. I'm like, no, he didn't. Sure. He, nobody knew who he was playing until the second half of that game. And sure, did he get like 45 extra minutes to get ready? Because, you know, Boston started crushing the life out of Philly in the third quarter. Maybe. But I like I they've had the equal amount of time to get ready. And the other thing I'll push back on, and then I'll get I, mean, I, I think you could partially prepare for two opponents. I mean, once you've moved past one, right? You're past one round, you're on to the other. You can at least start evaluating what's ahead of you. Right. I'm but not, it's not like I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying he's he's drawing up X's and O's of how this is gonna work, but yeah. like you can start thinking about it if well, we're talking Philly or Boston. But also, I mean Okay, then I'll say, can't Boston do the same thing? Boston knew who the opponent no, was going to be when they won the series. Th- you can't be thinking about what's coming next before you even won a series. Why can't you? Because it's a waste of freaking time. You're talking about game seven. Time. They're coming. Like, you know who it is. And it's not you like don't know you're going to win. It's a game seven. You can you be on the beach believe. the next day. You always believe that you're going to win. And here's the other thing. It's not like the Heat are dropping out of the sky. They played four games against them. It, it, like, I, I just I get that Eric Spolster is an awesome coach. I just think sometimes you get wrapped up in all this stuff. Like, watch out, man. He's in the lab cooking. Like, <laughs> like he didn't know. He didn't know who he was going to play. And I would oh, also – go ahead. You know, well, so as much I, – I would side a little bit more on the Kelly side because, like, you're, you can slant it, right? Like, you can say – you can look at the probabilities and say, all right, we're going we're gonna to prep a certain amount for who, who is the likelier of the two opponents. But I would say if we actually break down what was Eric Spolster's actual coaching in the – if you go back to the Milwaukee series, it was – uh, we realize that Jimmy Butler has gone to a nuclear planet, and one of the best one of the best ISO defenders in the league, Drew Holiday, can't even hold his jockstrap right now. So let's just watch him do whatever he wants and let Milwaukee disintegrate around us. And because we know Mike Budenholzer won't make any adjustments, 
Like we, I do think we sometimes make some of the, just because you are a coach who is proficient and above average, because of the quagmire of crap that you have in a lot of other coaching circles, these guys look like unbelievable Hall of Famers. When in reality, they're just setting up their game plan. It works. And then they're just watching as the other side doesn't make any adjustments. So I think sometimes we, we inflate the Spolstra factor a little bit too much. And, and I love Spolstra. I'd also add, congratulations on scheming up your offense to shoot 30.5% from three against the Knicks. Like, like Those adjustments were really paying off. And the other thing that I, that's kind of, I guess, irritating me is this thought that Philly was thus just this dog bleep team that the Philadelphia, that the Boston Celtics, like how dare you go to seven games? They were the three seed in the Eastern conference. Sure. Why are we, why are we discounting the fact that they had to win that thing in seven it was the third best team in the conference. Who's why, doing why that? A, oh, you're hearing it all the time. That's all I'm getting. Oh, Boston choked. They slept while, you know, they let it go against Philly. They let him stick around. Like, let him stick around. It's the MVP. It's the, it was the guy who oh, everybody said was the best player in the league in the regular season. And we're acting like it's some slight that it took seven games. I get it. If you don't like the way they showed up in game six or in the first half, all that kind of stuff, you can use that. But like, I, all I heard was like, Boston chokes. That's all they do. They made it to the finals last year, and they're in the Eastern Conference Finals again. What are we doing? I, I mean, I think the, the other part to, to add on to that is tell me tell me who out there saw two 40-plus point games from James Harden coming in a series, right? Like, that is – like, you basically had Michael Jordan walk out of a retirement home and win two games for you, like spot you 2 nothing, a 2-0 lead in the series. So – that's all. I, I'm getting a little excited, but I would just. I I, I like it. They, I, hey, buddy, I like it. You keep you keep you oh, keep it up. I I'm, need I'm your walking, intensity here, okay? I'm walking because I'm I, catching it from all sides too. You know that. <laughs> walking on a tightrope with no net. I'm ready to be loud wrong on this thing. I am. You know, like we had Zach Harper on the other day when I was filling in yeah. for for them all, and he's like, "I think you guys are totally being disrespectful." And I hit him with like, "The Heat stink." Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but and this is why I do like I like what we. I think I've told you this before, Kelly. But like I like what we, the collective, choose to wait with confidence in what we don't. So, for example, when when Ben, you're familiar with this, you love your bucks. So when the Heat go out and shoot 47% from three and over 50% on contested three-point shots, that's real. Not the 30% they just shot in six games against the Knicks after ending the season 26th in three-point shooting. It's the one-off series in five games in which they shot a nuclear amount of three-point attempts. That's what's legitimate, not the, what are we talking about, 86 games worth of sample size that says they stink at shooting. And they shoot the, shot the worst percentage against a worse perimeter defensive team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for continuing to remind me. Uh, yeah, yeah, mass ineptitude and, uh, and statistical anomalies that my, my childhood beloved team uh, had to deal with. It's okay. Okay. So we're all on the same page here. Ben thinks that the Celtics are going to sweep them. I think that's what I take away. From uh, <laughs> yes, and Jimmy Butler will somehow end up with the most points in the series, even in a sweep. Which, uh, okay. All right. I know Ben's got to get out of here really quickly before we get to last night. Uh, a reminder for everybody again, Juice Reel, the new innovation in sports betting. That's not another sports book. You've heard of it. A free tool that you can be using to revolutionize the way you follow your bets and make betting decisions. It's going to connect all your betting accounts from every bet and all your betting history automatically loads in. So it's simple, no data entry. And it's not just a tracker. It actually gives you habits of your own so you can build on those and improve as a sports better. Check it out today. It's free iPhone or Android. All of you betters should be using Juice Reel, Juice R-E-E-L. All right. Any big takeaways from last night? I did like, again, going Ooh. with the narrative stuff. Um, I guess the Lakers need to, or excuse me, the Nuggets need to treat that game as a loss because the Lakers had a good fourth quarter and they're up against it. <laughs> I, I don't like I that's I saw that from multiple people and I was yeah. like all right I guess yeah um, I think that uh, Gil was was saying many similar things this morning on a numbers game and and like I he think thought that or he was yeah, making fun of those people was making fun, like what why like thought we too many people were overreacting to what right. happened to that the end of that game and I think that's I I, I think that's perfectly put. Um, I, I mean, I think ESPN, I think it was SportsCenter last night, like even put up a, 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 a graphic with like how many times that Nikola Jokic was defended by AD and how many times he was defended by Hachimura. It was literally six times. Right. But like we're talking about sample sizes. Like, so, okay, it worked like it. I, what I tried to do, what I tried to do this morning was say, look, I don't know that it's going to always be Hachimura. I do think that the Lakers found a better way to defend Nikola Jokic than what they're go than what they're gonna get from running AD at him every single time. But 
No, I don't no, I don't think we should be going into the next game being like, oh man, Hachimura, lockdown defender, put him on Jokic. This guy's a scrub all of a sudden. So Take away ben, those two MVP awards. <laughs> so Ben, I'm gonna say, I think you'll like this angle. This is the power of people like you, Ben. Because so I watched the game without sound yesterday. I rewatched it this morning with sound, and I couldn't help but notice that people like, you know, Jamel Hill, Nick Wright. We're echoing almost word for word what Mark Jackson was saying on the broadcast when he was watching that. Yeah. And, and and so it's like, you know, they hear the play-by-play or the color analyst, and it's great because Mark Jackson even says, you know, I, I think the Lakers might have stumbled into something here with Rui Hachimura. On. So it's not like Darvin Ham was like, went into the huddle. And he's like, all right, guys, I got an idea. Let's put Hachimura. No, what happened was Hachimura switched onto him, and then all of a sudden Anthony Davis comes over and contests the shot, and the Lakers are like, huh. Let's try that the rest of the time. Let's see what happens here. If you even listen to Darvin Ham postgame, I mean, he literally admitted, yeah, it wasn't Achimura. Like, it, it's going to take more than that. We, there are so, it's not just one adjustment we can make. It, it, it's not like Denver's a one-trick pony. I mean, that was his literal uh, literal line. So, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people are just butthurt that they laid six and a half uh, late, late, late to the party last night, um, and, and, and the number ended up six. But if, if we're talking about the people betting-wise that are, uh, that are calling this a loss for Denver, but if the reality is, Transition defense was was a huge issue for the Lakers last night. You can you can pinpoint a number of possessions where they just they just weren't getting back, and they sure you could have looked at the actual possessions and they were at least trying to pick up Jokic in transition, but they still allowed a wide open driving lane for one of the other guys on the Nuggets. The the back cutting lanes were there most of the night, you know whether that was a Jokic ISO or otherwise. So I think people have to realize it's it's especially in these types of situations like a Western Conference Final. It's not just Okay, ISO one-on-one defense against Jokic. There's so many different ways they use him. It's why the guy mm-hmm. had a triple-double. So if you aren't getting back transition transitionally on defense, if you're still allowing the back cuts to be there, if you're overplaying him, like you're going to get burnt. You can't just switch on one guy for five minutes and expect that to be the, the solution. And I think it, when you hear the head coach admit that in Darvin Ham, who I have a ton of respect for, that, that tells you the story, really. So, and I also, it goes back to what I talked about with Milwaukee or excuse me, Miami and Boston, which is what we choose to put weight behind and what we don't. Yeah. So I also heard a lot of like, I don't know if the Nuggets are going to shoot like that again. And my response would be, I don't know if the Lakers <laughs> are going to shoot like that again. Right. Like That's the other thing. The Lakers shot nearly 47% from three, yeah. but that's sustainable. And I would also say, Kelly, I don't know. Like, do you think that maybe a team that had the best defense in the NBA postseason coming into last night? getting a 130 offensive rating dropped on them in regulation is probably a little bit of a problem as you move forward in the series? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. I, I, I mean, look, th- I think this game last night was, I mean, it was one of those that it was two different games, right? Like this was, it was a Nuggets blowout first half and it was a Lakers blowout second half, if we're being real. But like how much that was, the Lakers just didn't miss Right. Like, the, the, yep. like it was what was their third quarter shooting percentage, like 80 percent, something absurd like that. Um, I don't think that there are I, I, I still think there are more positives to take away from me from the Lakers last night than there were from the Nuggets. I, I think it was incredible what the Nuggets did in that first half. Jokic obviously going crazy uh, everywhere, it seemed. But. Lakers, the the fact that they were basically, I mean, down 20 plus points in the third quarter, still come back like this. I, I don't know. I, 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 I saw something out of them that I wasn't, I wasn't shocked to see. Cause as JVT knows, I'm just trying, I had a Denver Nuggets bet, but I'm still, uh, I don't worry. I've transitioned to that Lakers side. I put in some bets. Um, I did put in some bets for them to win in six, win in seven. I just, the one thing that I think is going to be an issue this whole series, JVT is Aaron Gordon has to be effective offensively. I think that is the one where he is going to get so many open looks, and if he is not hitting them, like Denver, Denver's going to be in trouble then. Because there is what we saw last night. I think you and I expected a little bit, but I don't even know if the, to this degree where it was. It was sick. What five on five basketball? Not even like there was. There is not much depth on either side that these that these coaches are willing to trust. At least bringing these guys off the bench in these important minutes and. I just think with the guys that they're willing to roll out, I think the Lakers have a little bit more talent at the de- at the depth positions in what's coming off the bench than what the Nuggets do. And if they get into any kind of problem with Aaron Gordon out there, I don't know. May- there might be b- bigger issues here. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think 
I would I would come back with I think it's an issue that the guy that we all picked to be the best defender for Nikola Jokic in the fourth quarter had to be replaced with Rui Hachimura because he had nothing against yeah. Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Right, like that's yeah, no, going to be pretty interesting dynamic. I don't know forward. that that personally though surprised me. Right, like it was, it was. We talked about it. It was, hey, AD, it, this is a completely different series for AD. Offensively, it was, hey, you could go over the top of everybody on Golden State. You're not going to be able to do that here, right? You're not going to be able to do that against Jokic. And defensively, you are now like guarding a guy. If you're going to guard a man up, he's about twice your weight. It looks like out there. So, like, yeah, he's going to push you around. I mean, those offensive rebounds that we saw in that first quarter, like, it was crazy. But that is, is that something that can continue, to at least to a degree? Hell yeah, it can. Mm-hmm. Jokic, can, he can bully guys down there. The Lakers don't have many answers for I that. Know, that, was, that was why, the like, the one series bet I liked, again, on the on the prop market was the, I mean, the Jokic most rebounds in the series was, like, what looks like an even money to plus one. Mm-hmm. Ten it's like. If you do, do people know the physicality there, like how easy he makes it look? Like he, he could just have a couple spurts, and that's going to be enough in some of these games. Mm, I don't know. He's got Rui Hachimura on him now. <laughs> sounds like sounds like this thing's all over. I, like, I like. Over. Uh, by the way, Adam Hachimura. It, it is one of the most amazing. Like what an amazing stat line. Where at one point he had played. 18 minutes and scored all his 17 points and didn't have a single rebound. Finished the game, just didn't have a single rebound. You're yeah. guarding, you did guard Nikola Jokic and you got zero rebounds. So, like, you you know, we can take whatever we want away from defensively, but you didn't get a single board, man. Yep. All right. Well, with that, we'll have more on game two tomorrow as we get ready for it. But uh, until then, Ben, it was good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for coming on for yeah, a while. This, this was a blast. My maiden voyage. Maiden voyage. Almost said made more invaded, but it was maiden voyage on hardwood handicapping. So thanks. Well, at least you're closing strong. Yeah, I was gonna say at least you're not stumbling down the stretch. (laughs) And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'll bring it back full circle entirely for a conversation we had off the air. I thought you were speaking Greek. I thought you had Greek on (laughs) there. We will talk to you. <laughs> That's a good way to sign off. It's a, it's a great joke that nobody gets. We will talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. Remember, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out everything we have to offer up on the website of visa.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.